As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! And welcome to another episode of Your Next Favorite Movie. I am your host, Josh G. And today I have a returning guest. Please welcome back. You heard him on the Dune episode. He is a man of many talents, Chip Sebastian. Hey. Hey, thank you so much for having me on again, Josh. I appreciate it. Hope everybody's doing all right out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I hope the same for you. So I know you have a short film. Is it, I don't know if it's out yet now. I know you talked about it last no. time. but Yeah, when I was on, on the last episode, we were in the middle of filming it. We wrapped it. And Don Samandel, who has a company here in Lexington, High Road Productions, he is uh, cutting it. So it's in post now. And we're hoping to have it out hopefully November, you know, maybe December. It depends on how the holidays go. But then we'll take it around to some film festivals and uh, just have some fun with it. and Put it on probably for free, you know, YouTube and so on. But it's it's a nice little serial killer film that I wrote. It's about 12 minutes long. And um, my friend, uh, Fred Zieglin, who I've known for like 30 years, he plays uh, the, <laughs> the guy at it, the serial killer. And uh, man, he's just, <laughs> it's, he, he, he plays it that way. It's, it's really, really good. But anyway, um, yeah, so um, the, the working title of it was Per Annum. That's what that I remembered. Was, yeah, when I originally wrote it, and um, and but we were thinking that we might change the name of the film to um, uh, "Always in Our Hearts," and um, the the reason that came about was because number one, her annum was that idea was taken out of the the script as we were doing rewrites, and so it doesn't it sort of makes sense, but not as much as it did originally and then the other thing is is that when we were filming we uh we, we see we we have this really beautiful cemetery here in lexon uh, the lexon cemetery which is on the national registry and so uh, you know the whole thing takes place in a, in a cemetery and so i had called the lexon cemetery and i said hey we're doing this short film and the guy was like oh okay yeah we'd love to help you it sounds great you know get some exposure for the cemetery blah 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 and then I was like, oh, and it's about a serial killer. And it's like, uh, I don't think we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so anyway, my, uh, my uh, friend Don, he, he, I won't say the name of this other cemetery just to be uh, nice about things. But, but the cemetery where we shot it, it's, it's, uh, it's one of these cemeteries where, you know, you of course get sort of a creepy feeling because it's, you know, there's tombs everywhere and all that. But but the thing is, is the whole cemetery has these uh, like fake flowers on mm-hmm. all the graves that are part of the grave service that you pay for. So literally all of the graves have these like fake, I mean, sort of Walmart looking flowers on them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so, you know, there's this sort of chintziness about it or this uh, there's this other creep factor to it besides just death and decay and, you know all that it's it's really uh it just has a really weird sense and then there were these like um 
really um, almost exorcist level statues in the place. Oh, wow. You know, it's a huge um, cross and and anyway, man, it, it's a total creep fest. I mean, it really is. And you know, and and what's weird is like you'll go along and you'll see like the waste baskets, which are wire baskets. They're like full of these fake flowers. Like people have taken the fake flowers or thrown them away. I mean, it's just, it's really a bizarre right. place, but it wound up being perfect for our, our quirky little film. And so anyway, yeah, it, the working title uh, very likely will change to always in our hearts and hopefully it'll be out in the next month or two. Really looking forward to it, man. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I love, love, love getting, getting something in the can, you know, and getting it done. But yeah, so thank you for letting me talk about it here. And um, yeah, um, also, since I talked to you last, I have uh, launched my website, which is just chipsebastian.com, chipsebastian.com. And the stuff that I've done, it, you know, over the years, it, there's like a partial filmography on there. My demo reels for the voice work that I do and other stuff too but when the film is finished it will be available on the website for free as well oh okay nice. and yeah and there are some other films on there that i've done over the years already but um yeah you know if, if, if your viewers go on there and check it out chip sebastian.com drop me a line say yes this film was good chip or <laughs> this film was dog do can't believe i wasted my time on it. <laughs> <laughs> you never know man <laughs> so anyway all right so chip actually before we get into it into it your last episode we talked about david lynch's dune and i know you've seen the new dune so why don't you just give your brief thoughts on the new dune on here so that everybody can hear him you know i uh my wife and i went to see it yesterday uh and uh, as we were discussing before we started, um, here in Lexington, they not too long ago opened an IMAX theater. And so I decided to throw down the money and, you know, get the full deal. And um, it was, in my opinion, it, it was the finest sci-fi that I have seen in many years. It was original. It was... I mean, visually, I just, uh, I was blown away, man. I was, I can't recommend it enough. I I didn't know going in that it was chapter one. Like when that came up on the opening credits, I was like, chapter one, what, what's up, you know? And um, so when I got home after I saw the movie, I started, you know, reading about it. And apparently they are hoping that it does well enough so they can film the second part of it which I feel it probably will. I mean, I think it's already raked in, you know, 30, 40, 50 million or something. So I hope it will, uh, because that would be really odd to not do the second part and then it ends where it ended. But um, the nice thing about it is, uh, you know, even like when you and I talked last time about uh, David Lynch's version which was not the theatrical version of Dune back in 1984, when they had cobbled together, you know, a lot of the footage years later and put it on television, 
that was supposed to be not exactly David Lynch's version, but a lot closer to David Lynch's version of what he wanted uh, before he took his name off of it. It still, uh, there were holes in the story. And there were holes in the story partially because it's just a monster book to tackle. There's a lot going on there. Um, I mean, it, it'd be uh, sort of like, you know, filming a lot of literature that just, it's, there's just a lot of story. And um, so, you know, that, that had its shortcomings. And then, of course, the tech had its shortcomings because it's 1984. I mean, it, it was so great then you know, when I saw it initially, but, you know, you look at it now and it's like, mm, you know, uh, <laughs> but it's still fun. Right. So anyway, um, you know, if, if people are wondering about, oh, should I go see Dune? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I say go for it. I, I, I found it to be awesome. Um, and the story actually makes sense and it's more like the book, you know, than uh, David Lynch's version. The, the other thing, too, I don't think I mentioned this on the time before, Josh, but, you know, I for a long time on VHS, I had this little documentary that they had done on Dune when it came out. And it was, you know, and it showed, um, you know, them filming in New Mexico. It had interviews with Kyle McLaughlin and Lynch and uh, showed a lot of behind the scenes footage with Jose Ferrar and all these other actors. But Frank Herbert. Um, he died not too long after that original Dune was released and they had interviewed him and he was saying, you know, I'm not worried about what they're doing with my movie. You know, I'm not uh, this writer that's, you know, henpecking everybody trying to get the story just right and all that stuff. But the thing is, is it wasn't really uh, complete in any way, you know, now I, you know, I love the original version. I mean, you know, this, but I'm just saying it's not, if you're looking for it to be true to the book, right? you know, you're going to be, you know, disappointed. Um, you know, it's kind of like people are like, you know, well, you know, Kubrick's version of The Shining is so different than the book. And I'm like, yeah, it's because it's Kubrick. You know, don't, don't go in there doing a book comparison on it because yeah. you're going to be disappointed. Yep. So anyway, that's something to consider. And, um, but the only reason I say all that is because back then a lot of people were like, well, this story doesn't totally make sense. There's like, it doesn't seem like it had, you know, and that's why it's because there was a lot left out. And, um, a lot of that was just because it's a mm. lot of book. I mean, you know, you probably would have needed a four or five hour film to even get close to that, you know? So, so anyway, you know, with this chapter one of this new one running at almost three hours, I'm suspecting chapter two, should it happen, is going to be, you know, two and a half, three hours. That puts it at five plus hours, which is probably a little more realistic about getting the, um, you know, the story, you know, done. But, but man, I, I just, I don't see how they're going to do it. Cause I mean, I know they were so successful doing that with it. Right. With right. Chapter one and two and, and like doing chapter one, but sort of being not so sure of chapter one, but chapter two was going to happen. Right. But uh, I, I mean, just putting all that stuff back together to get a cohesive thing between the two films, man, I wouldn't <laughs> want to be the person on production doing that. You know, that's what a nightmare. And uh, 
I mean, to me, it'd be a lot better doing it like they did Lord of the Rings, you know, where you just film all three things and then release them one year at a time. Right. But we've already got it done, you know, because who knows who's going to die, you know, in between now and then, you know, who, <laughs> who knows uh, if you know, a set burns down and we can't rebuild it or something. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, um, but anyway, sorry, man, you got me going again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. All right. So now we're going to transition to the movie of the night and we're going to another famous David who's famous for his vision and the way he does movies. And we're going back to 1981 with David Cronenberg's Scanners. There are 4 billion people on Earth. 237 are scanners. They'll control your mind, conquer your will, and manipulate your body like a toy. Experience the terrifying power of scanners. Scanners. Their thoughts can kill. Rated R. So when did you first see this? Man, um, you know, I'm wanting to say that uh, it had to have been on HBO or Cinemax in the early 80s. Yeah, it, it had to have been on cable. Uh, that's probably where I first saw that. You know, I can't I can't remember uh, if I said it last time I was here, but like there, there were a lot of movies that uh, they would show on HBO and Cinemax. I mean, back in those days, uh, if something was pretty gory or it had a lot of blood and, you know, spatter to it or whatever, they would label it R automatically. And so that meant that it couldn't really be on basic cable which had maybe 30 or 40 channels on it. So you could buy these premium channels at the time. Uh, But then some of us got them for free because some of us had dads who were TV and radio repairmen and knew how to build parabolic dishes and receive the (laughs) the stations for free that were available at the time. And at that (laughs) time, there was uh, HBO, there was Cinemax, and Cinemax had most of like skin flicks, you know? Right. So if you're looking for some soft cork yeah. stuff, that's where that was. And then um, Showtime was the other one. And then there was the movie channel, which was like an early incarnation of uh, what later became um, Ted Turner's channel, which, and they showed basically all, you know, a lot of classic movies and stuff like that. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, and newer movies too, but they had, you know, you know, old Jack Nicholson movie, you know, things like that. So anyway, those four channels were the main ones that you could get. And we had them early and they had a lot of really oddball stuff on there. And then they had sort of you know, cutting edge stuff, but, but that's where I would have first seen scanners. Yeah. Probably 83 or four, maybe 82, somewhere in there. Yeah. I think I watched this for the first time. If not within the last 10, definitely within the last 15. It was definitely mid to late aughts before I saw it. Well, what was your impression of it? I went in looking for the the gore. So, as we know, yeah. You're, you're always looking for the gore. I'm looking for the gore. <laughs> I want to see blood. Exactly. I mean, let's, let's be honest. This movie has one of the most famous gifts ever with the head explosion. And I bet. 
I bet over half the people, if you ask what movie that came from, they wouldn't be able to tell you. They just like using the GIF, <laughs> you know? That'd be my right. guess. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird because that has become sort of an iconic image. But, right. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I would, I would guess that most people you asked have no idea where it's from. So that'd be my guess. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I, yeah, I'm, no, you know, I, I, I fall into it partially because of my age, you know, sort of assuming that people know, uh, you know, a lot of cultural references. And of course, I teach a lot. And so a lot of times when I, I'll crack a joke, you know, and then I realize, oh, uh, these are, these people are 25 years old. They, and, uh, you know, and I, but it, it, I just crack a joke as a, you know, it's, it's my own references, you know, right. and then I realize later they don't know what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> and, and it's, and it's the same thing in reverse, you know, a lot of yeah. times, you know, Chip, you should get on TikTok, you know, and I'm like, well, it's TikTok, you know, <laughs> so, so it really works both ways. It's not just, right. you know, uh, me to them, but yeah, you're, I think you're right. There's probably a lot of stuff like that too. I would think know? so. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, mean, just... I mean, I would think a lot of things that have kept going, you know, like, you know, Freddie's bladed fingers or the hockey mask or something. I mean, people would know. I, I would hope they would know. Anyway. I would, I would hope they know at least those. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Unless you got somebody that's been living on the moon for the last 20 years. <laughs> but <laughs> all right. All right, Chip. So let's, let's, why don't you tell everyone who hasn't seen it, what exactly the scanner is about? Well, um, scanners is about, it's about a doctor, um, which uh, in the film is played by Patrick McGowan, uh, who was a very well-known actor. This doctor had in the fifties and sixties been experimenting with patients with a new drug and the drug created what were later to be called scanners and scanners were people who actually had a let's call it a heightened ability mentally and that included telepathy it included um psychokinesis you know being able to move things around with your mind it included being able to set fires it included uh, you know ha having uh, control over someone enough that they would go so far as to kill themselves i mean it's just a heightened mental state but the problem was is that with most of them, uh, what came along with it was uh, insanity. And so the um, story opens with uh, Stephen Lack, who was in several of Cronenberg's films. He was later on in Dead Ringers. And um, he, he was just a Canadian actor that happened to be there when Cronenberg was getting going. But he played the lead and um, Cam or Cameron and uh, he's a homeless person and he's a scanner and he doesn't know what's wrong with him, but he really can't be around people because people's thoughts are so pervasive in his own head. He can't get them out, you know? And so um, it'd be the case that people would probably think you're just a multiple personality case. If, you know, that really were something that was happening, you know? Right. And uh, it could rightly be said that you were a multiple personality case. Cause you got a lot of voices in your head, you know, that are not yours per se. So anyway, um, so yeah, he is uh, a homeless person and, um, but he is tracked down by a group that is looking for scanners 
and is trying to turn them so they can build an army and, you know, like all good evil people, strive for world domination. And um, his brother, we find out later, is his yeah. brother. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Michael Ironsides, uh, who's another great actor. Um, he uh, is the evil, sort of evil force in the whole thing. Actually, he's the one who makes the guy's head explode. Yep. At the beginning scenes, you know, he goes in and uh, they're looking for a demonstration. They're probably thinking that they're just going to make the guy's, you know, nosebleed or something. Of course, winds up popping his head like a, you know, <laughs> yeah. like a gourd, you know. And um, so the uh, so anyway, yeah, that's that's pretty much the setting for the story. Of course, there's a love interest there, um, Jennifer. What's her name? Jennifer O'Neill. Yeah, who was famous for two minutes back in the eighties. Okay. Uh, you know, yeah, she. Well, she did a lot of soap opera stuff and everything. But oh, okay. You know, so I mean, she was in some other movies, but you know, no, I doubt anybody would remember her today. I was say, I knew when I watched, I didn't recognize her. Yeah. No, no. I mean, you know, it's so few of these actors that have staying power. You know, I mean, and uh, that they truly become iconic. Right. You know, like an Al Pacino or a Jack Nicholson or something. Anyway, um, yeah, that's sort of the setting for it, and um, has a lot of other nasty characters in it too, but uh, you know. Some of them are government. Some of them are government who are being uh, very influenced by Michael Ironside's character, who is trying to round up all the scanners. But um, but the important thing to remember too is that a lot most of the other scanners are weaker than Michael Ironside and his uh, brother. And the reason for that is because they were the first ones, right? So you know, like any good mutant, you know, following you know, in the line of, like, the original X-Men and so on, uh, the older they get, the more powerful they become in their special ability, you know, whatever it is. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's the scene for it. Uh, you know, I forgot who wrote the book to Scanners. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, but it, it did come from a novel. And, uh, but, you know, it's perfect for somebody like Cronenberg, who is... I mean, he's kind of made his whole career on these really odd movies. You know, um, as a matter of fact, I wouldn't even, I mean, even though, you know, back then he was thought of as kind of like a, just a horror filmmaker, let's say. Yeah. Which meant something different then than it does now, by the way. But he, um, the thing is, since then, he's just done so many other films that are, they're, they're, I wouldn't call them horror necessarily. I mean, they're, I mean, a lot of them do have a lot of gross stuff in them. Uh, but, you know, they're, there's, they're more like um, this really odd, bizarre, twisted tales that kind of stick in your craw, you know. And um, as rough as Scanners is. Oh, and by the way, the other thing that makes Scanners... Um, kind of turn your stomach a little bit at some points and uh, make you feel ill at ease is um, the soundtrack, which was Howard Shore. You know, Howard Shore went on to do many, many, many soundtracks, including Silence of the Lambs, by the way. So, yeah, you, you have like, you know, some awesome music coming in on some really good visual storytelling. 
But um, no, but I, I was going to say though, you know, as, as gross as scanners is, I mean, uh, there's other stuff in Cronenberg's career that's far more disturbing to me, you know. So, oh, absolutely. But my favorite Cronenberg is actually not a horror movie, and that is A History of Violence. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah, yeah, that would probably be my favorite Cronenberg. Now, now, why why is that one your favorite? I think I just like the story more. I mean, it's such a, it's a very simple story of a small town man who's just trying to defend a place and then all of a sudden this back history comes out and i just i don't know i don't i can't explain why but i, I will watch that anytime oh yeah you know yeah i would just sit and watch that at any point i think it's great performances by vigo mortensen ed harris maria bell oh, i mean man, i i love vigo mortensen i just he he's just what a talented exceptional guy man i mean and not just as an actor, but as a painter and writer. And, you know, he speaks like five languages. I mean, it's just, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's if you ever go on YouTube and check him out and you'll see he's yeah, he's he's like multi multilingual. I mean, but I just what a what a great character. You know, I mean, um, but uh, yeah, that is a, a terrific movie, man. It's, and it is disturbing. It is disturbing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Especially, I mean, that, that opening death scene, I mean, or not the opening, but the death scene that catapults the rest of the movie. It's yeah. violent like Cronenberg. I mean, it's definitely very Cronenbergian when you see that part. But Well, did you see that other one that they made pretty close to it with uh, Mortensen, uh, Eastern Promises? Yeah, right after it, yeah. Yeah, see, I love that too. I mean, that was good too. I prefer, yeah. I know a lot of people prefer that over History of Violence, but I prefer a History of Violence. I like, so. I like them both, man. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah, but that, that scene in the Turkish bath. With him, oh, yeah, yeah. That was just raw. Raw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Baby, raw is yeah. a good way to put it. All right, well, we're going to talk about why do you love Scanners so much? What is it about Scanners that made you want to come talk about this one? Well, there's the obvious thing of its history. And, um, uh, you know, I mean, like Dune, it, it's just part of my childhood, really. You know, so, you know, I have a special affinity for some of these movies that, uh, you know, I was just taking in during my formative years. But I think the other thing, because, you know, I mean, really, that's not enough to have a show on in truth. You know, you know what I mean? Because, you know, somebody could have been watching, you know, freaking Plan 9 from Outer Space and saying, yeah, let's do a show on that. And it's like, well, who cares about Plan 9 from Outer Space? You know, but. <laughs> And there uh, are hold on, hold on, hold, yes. hold on now, hold on yeah. now. I thought that, that, that one might make you. <laughs> yeah, I I pride myself that every, every movie is someone's favorite movie, and that's why I like to give them a chance to keep this show film <laughs> positive. Well, I, I think too, though, that um, I, I think you know it's actually the same thing with uh, literature too. It's it's you know there there are a lot of great things that would not be possible without other things. And I think that's a big, you know, you know, that that's that was one of the reasons that I, you know, like with Scanners, I just think it's a it, it was a very influential film, especially in the horror genre. And it even though you could watch it today and think this has a little bit of cheese on it, you know, uh, but a lot some of that is just the time in which it was made, but it's still a very disturbing film when you watch it so it does have staying power you know uh, it still holds up in other words unlike a whole lot of films <laughs> that are 
you know, from that period or even years after. So um, there, there's that reason for me liking it. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, probably about 80 to 90% of Cronenberg's stuff I really, really like. There are a few films that I thought weren't good. Like he did that more recent film, um, Spider, with uh, Ray oh Ray Fine. Ray Fines, yeah. yeah, I didn't see that. it, but I remember it. Yeah, I just I didn't really, it just wasn't that interesting to me, which is probably why you, nobody talks about it. Uh, it's just really not, you know, you know, and so and, and you know, but what's weird to me too, and, and I I think it's it's kind of weird because you know like we were talking about lynch before and lynch you know from the get-go was weird and offbeat and you know and he's always been that way i mean from a racer head on cronenberg you know he he's been depraved from the beginning too but his films started to take on more of a um uh, maybe we could say avant-garde or abstract thing as they went along like a good example of that Actually, two examples that, and you don't see them hardly at all anymore, were um, his version of Naked Lunch, which oh, Peter Weller, yeah, which you know nobody talks about that film anymore except for to criticize it. I thought it was great. I thought it was weird. Now you know it's another one of those things though. Like if you know, for those who've read Naked Lunch, you you don't sit here and go, yeah, we're going to squeeze everything in Naked Lunch into an hour and forty minutes or whatever. It's just not, you know, and it's a very, very abstract work anyway. Um, another, uh, another example of that is Crash, you know, the James Spader Crash. Yeah, right, yeah. I, I, yeah. You that know, which, came up recently on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, you know, like, uh, you know, which was from a novel, too. But, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, when you start talking about people who are uh, sexually aroused by deformity and grotesqueries and particularly with car crashes right uh that's kind of out there man you know <laughs> that's that's a little uh different than oh yeah we've got a guy with a machete that's coming in you know with a, you know i mean um it's it's just different and that's kind of what i'm talking about where cronenberg gets more and more into the abstract stuff the other one too that doesn't get mentioned from around that same period was in butterfly um, you know, which was um, in Butterfly. He made a film of that. That originally was a um, a very well known play uh, that made it to Broadway. It was uh, David Henry Wong, who was a fam famous playwright, still a famous play playwright, um, and played on Broadway forever. John Lithgow started that role, oh. and then Jeremy Irons did it in the film, but. Uh, yeah, it's like nobody talks about those films of Cronenberg anymore. I mean, if you talk about Cronenberg, usually people are like, oh, yeah, he did The Fly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and um, and so, you know, you you get, I mean, a lot of his finest work to me is outside of his more popular stuff. You know, but some of that's because I'm weird and I like that kind of thing. But, but um, yeah, so, you know how it is, man. I mean, you know, if, if you're... A, a film person you know if you're a you know cineast is the word for it you know you know which you know uh if you said that to somebody you know they might kick you out of the, out of wherever you are you know you know i'm a cineast get the hell out of here what's wrong with you? <laughs> but but you know yeah i mean if you just love film you know and you uh 
And, you know, a lot of times you have to go digging, you know, I, I mean, if, if you really are into it, um, right. otherwise you'll probably just have sort of a superficial knowledge of it. And that's okay too. I mean, I'm that way with sports. You know, I mean, if somebody talk, starts talking about football, I'll be like, yeah, the Steelers were big in the seventies, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and like that, that's kind of where it ends for me, man. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and it used to be, I would try to like, uh, you know, BS my way through it, you know, like, you know, I'm standing around with a bunch of dudes and I'm like, yeah, yeah, boy, the Cowboys really did it the other night. Didn't they? You know, you know, and then, you know, you I, I was go. probably like 24 or something. I'm like, how the hell am I doing this? So anymore, if that comes up, I'm like, look, you're talking to the wrong person about sports, man. You know, and, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and, you know, something that's, tough here in lexington because everybody bleeds blue i mean you know like you've got to know something about kentucky wildcats about right. college basketball or or like your scum on a stick you know and so, <laughs> and so, so anyway sorry man i'm digressing but um I, did i answer the why scanners question enough or yeah i think or, so i think so we're going to get into territory, and I'm not familiar with these, so I'm going to defer to you. Have you seen the Scanner sequels? Oh, man. Um, yeah, that Scanners 2. When did that? That came out in what? Like the, was that the <laughs> 90s? Was it that long before Scanners 2 came out? I mean, you uh, might be right on that. I just don't know. Hang on. Let me look it up, man. I, you know, because I do remember, I think I might have, uh, you know, even. 91, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I, I had some memory of, of uh, watching that on VHS. Wow, somehow Scanners 2 and Scanners 3 both came out in 1991. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if I saw Scanners 3. I'm seeing it here on this. Uh, yeah. Or no, no, here's even an, wait, Scanners The Showdown. Yeah, oh, jeez. You know. <laughs> no, no. No, I, I do remember doing Scanners 2 because I remember – being excited about finding it at the video store and taking okay. it home and I was halfway through and going, man, this is, this is bad. Man. Oh, okay. So you're uh, not a fan. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's like so much stuff, you know, I mean, I didn't think that much of the second predator. I love the first one. Okay. I mean, there's, I mean, that happens all the time. I mean, um, first police Academy, I've probably seen that thing 80 times. The rest <laughs> of them are dog crap. And everybody knows it. You know, some people might not want to say it. Right. But it's true. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it, I mean, don't you agree? I mean, it's. I'd have to. I haven't seen any of those first one or sequels in years upon years. And I haven't seen all of them anyway. So, but. Um, don't, don't waste your time, man. Nah, I'm probably not. I'm probably not at this point, if I'm being honest. <laughs> There's a lot better stuff <laughs> yeah. to waste your time on. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much more. Yeah, it's, and you know, if I'm if I'm gonna pick a bad movie, it's gonna be a bad horror movie. So it's yeah, not gonna be a bad yeah. comedy. <laughs> All right, so Scanners two, terrible. You didn't see the other ones. Let's say you had gotten to see your own sequel. Kind of weird how it ends, but if you had gotten to see your own sequel back in the '80s, bring back Michael Ironside. It's about all you could say. <laughs> If you if you were to bring back Michael Ironside, like if you had done it in the eighties, obviously not doing one forty years later, I don't think that it, we we don't want a Halloween situation here with scanners. <laughs> Is it a big deal if I do any spoiling on this show? Yeah, you're probably going to have to spoil to talk about this okay. part of it. So yeah, if you haven't seen scanners, you might want to skip this part. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, well, 
uh, I'll try to dance around it as much as possible so I don't ruin it in case somebody. But uh, yeah, you know, the way it ended, the original. Yeah, I, I mean, you would need to have Michael Ironside in it, but of course, he really isn't uh, Daryl Revick anymore, the character he played in the original. Right. You know, the, you know, he's had that transformation, let's call it. And um, so you would need Ironside. Of course, um, Stephen Lack, you know, his, uh, he was burned beyond right. all recognition. So it'd be ridiculous to bring him back. Uh, yeah. So where would the story go from there? Um, man, I don't know. I, I mean, really, the only thing I could imagine since, uh, since uh patrick mcgoohan what wouldn't be there the uh you know their surrogate dad you know the, the doctor uh would be that the organization that revic had started had some other you know factions that were driving it besides revic you know like there were other evil scanners or there were now, some of the sequels may have tried to do that. I don't know, man. Uh, honestly, the scanners, too, I don't remember anything about it. I just remember it was bad. Uh, the other ones after that, I haven't seen. But, I mean, I would think it would have to be something like that. You know, scanners fighting each other, you know, or uh, the government trying to, you know, track down scanners for government purposes or to, you know, keep them under wraps or something along those lines. You know, I, I, I honestly, I just, I can't imagine, I, you know, it's one of these movies that, you know, it does well. Oh, we made money. Let's make some more money. Let's come up with, you know, some stuff, you know, but a lot of movies, I just don't think you need to do that. You know, I mean, there's the money thing, but right. I mean, it's like, you know, the stories get into such a far out nonsensical just because the story's wrapped up. Right. You know, there's there's nowhere to go with it, you know, yeah. really. And um, but of course, you know, Hollywood can't leave well enough alone. <laughs> you know, they have to do that. You know, I mean, if you if you have like a really iconic character, like say Jason, right? It doesn't matter because you know we're just like, oh, Jason's coming. Ooh, we're scared again. You know, and it doesn't matter about the story because people just want to see the thrill of that. You know, so it's kind of different. You expect those stories to have holes in them and to be cheesy, right? Yep. But, you know, I mean, Scanners is, I'd like to think, a bit more sophisticated, you know, in its story. I don't know. It's just my opinion, man. Uh, but, you know, it was the same, like I was talking about Predator. It was the same Predator, too. I mean, that was why it fell flat is because the story, there just wasn't story. Yeah, I, I just, you, you, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, but I understand. I mean, it's a business, you know. Yeah. You know, people are saying, hey, you know, Big Macs are selling really well. Let's do this other thing that's a lot like a Big Mac, but call it a quarter pounder with cheese. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, they're selling well, too. Now let's make a, a McDLT. Hey, this didn't sell as well. Let's get that out of here. Yeah, there you go. Try rib, you know, you know, just on down the line. With right. Stuff. But, um, but that doesn't mean that it's quality. No, you're right. That deserves to stick around or be talked about 30 years later, you know, 40 or 50 or whatever. Well, there, there you go. At least the next when you talk about the Hollywood and the money machine, it wants to be. But a new way to do this is to do the remake. So who, right. who do you think you would like to put in the remake? Mm. Wow, man. 
oh man, I, I don't know. I, I mean, there's quite a few people that could probably work for that. By the way, in in the uh, the new Dune, uh, that I had never seen that kid that's in it, um, uh, Chalamet. Oh, okay, Timothy Chalamet. Uh, yeah, is that is that pronounced? Is it Calamay? I think it's, I think it's I, you might be right. Timothy Chalamet. That sounds right. Yeah, I haven't heard it pronounced, but uh, he was fantastic. I mean, he was excellent, in my opinion. And, you know, it seems to me that if you were to redo scanners, there are quite a few people that might do well in those roles. I mean, they're a bit more generic. You know what I mean? They're, they're a little more generic. Um, Daryl Revick role somebody that had a bit of an evil twist to him. Yeah, you know, sorry, no one's really coming to mind. I mean, I mean, you could, I mean, maybe Emily uh, Blunt or whatever her name is uh, as the love interest. Okay. Why not? I mean, I, I like her. I think she's done pretty well with stuff. Yeah, she was in that new Rock movie. Do you see that uh, Jungle Cruise? <laughs> we put it on for the kids anyway. I can't say I watched the whole the most yeah. of it but yeah that, that was fun <laughs> kids enjoyed uh, yeah. it <laughs> yeah uh anyway i i don't know i'm just throwing her name out there man i i don't um i mean actually maybe you know she may be a little too young for that or, or um I, I mean if we're to have the female lead in any way like jennifer o'neill who was a little more like 30s ish or late 30s she didn't look girlish not that it matters that much, but yeah. if we were to make it kind of like the original, yeah, no one's really coming to mind, man. I mean, it's um, and there's always this temptation to like put well-known actors into stuff, you know. And um, I don't know. I honestly, I just get, I get bored, <laughs> you know. I mean, oh, you know, the other one we went to see the other night. And sorry, I'm not meaning to fly away from scanners too much, but but uh, the last duel. I heard of, but I don't know much about it. Man, I I don't know. I just I, I'm I'm honestly just a little tired of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Man. I mean, I'm just like, you know, I mean, do we have to put these guys in everything all the time just to make a buck? You know, and um, and they weren't that great. Uh, Adam Driver was, I think he's a far better actor than both of them. Uh, he's excellent, but you know, the thing was, it was like a two and a half hour story that you know could have been probably told in an hour 40. Ooh, yeah, that's you know, not good. And, um, there were a couple of battle scenes that were fun, but you know, I mean it's uh, anyway, I won't digress into it, but <laughs> I, my point is is that I, I think I think with all of the streaming stuff, all the things that are going on with Netflix, all the productions that are not as reliant on box office draw, I think that we're starting to get a lot of these actors that are not they haven't been in something that was a phenomenon and then the studios just back them all the way. You know what I'm saying? And so as a result, you're starting to get a lot of actors who are frankly, a lot of them are better actors. You know, they're really excellent actors. They just didn't happen to land in Goodwill hunting. There you go. <laughs> you know, they didn't, they didn't write a script and get a great director for a first film that was awesome. And right. then the whole career is kind of trailing <clears throat> off of that. And you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yep. But I personally feel, I mean, like, you want to look at the whole body of work on somebody, you know, I mean, I mean, like, look at Jack Nicholson, you know, there are a few flops in that career, but, you know, 80% of it is solid, you know, and the acting's always solid. It's just sometimes the films fell flat, right? But, you know, you look at, like, 
you know, Matt Damon. You know, there's a few good things. Uh, should he have been chosen for the born identity? Maybe. Uh, you know, I don't know. Anyway, sorry, man. I'm I'm bitching, but I don't know who who would you put in scanners. Uh, uh, it's a good thing I don't ever think about those. <laughs> yeah, ever. There's just questions that drive me nuts. That's what. It is. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. It's trying to. Actually, you know, you know, speaking of Adam Driver, he could do the Daryl Revick thing. It'd be different. Yeah. You know, he would look different than Michael oh, Ironson. Yeah. That's... But, yeah, but I actually, I could see him do, just because he has kind of a, a dark and sinister thing going on. He did the Kylo Ren thing, so. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, he kind of, you know, without, uh, you know, being too, um, you know, a- ambiguous about it, he can go both ways. You know, I mean, I mean well, really, because he, you know, yeah. I mean, he has been in, you know, like the marriage story, for instance. Right. Yeah. Like that I, was a good. One. That was a good performance. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, so he he can really handle that, and but then he's great as you know in the Star Wars stuff too, you know. So, but um, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, that'd be that'd be tough for a casting agent. See, I, I wouldn't want to be a casting agent on a lot of these films that get remade because. You know that people are going to be talking to you, going, "Really? You put this person in? This is not like the original at all." And then casting agents going to be like, "Well, that's kind of the point, you know? right?" You know, but then a lot of people are probably like, "Oh, we love it. This is a whole new take. We love the original, but we wanted something different," you know. Yeah. So you know, you but you're, you know you're going to have all these opinions flying everywhere about that, and um, I mean, in the end, the question is like, does the film work? Right. Is there chemistry? You know, are you like, you know, you throw down 20 bucks and you're 20 minutes into it. And you're going, I'm bored. <laughs> you know, this movie kind of sucks. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. Anyway. All right, yeah. Chip, let's let's do this then. Let's <laughs> give that final pitch for why people should just go watch the original scanners, not the sequels that came out 10 years later. I'm not talking about a remake. Watch they go visit Cronenberg scanners. No, I, I have no pitch for the sequels. Sorry. <laughs> I just. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm assuming, I, you know, I don't know your whole audience, but I'm assuming that a lot of them are uh, horror and, you know, splatter buffs. Right. I guess. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, if you are if you are into horror movies big time and you like horror movies, uh, you know, then you can really owe it to yourself i mean um you know you know to me uh, i I think uh, a lot of times people get caught up in older movies and they go well that just doesn't look as real as the newer stuff you know it was the same thing when color first came out you know that Mm. it's like people were like oh this but we've been so used to black and white you know they're like yeah but color is a lot closer to reality yeah but but black and white's the way to go you know what i mean and it's all like you know you know, so, you know, you kind of, if, if you are into horror, you know, you sort of owe it to yourself. But, you know, if you start watching, you know, well, that doesn't look as real as something I saw on Netflix that was made last year. Well, you're kind of missing the point. You know, I mean, it's, it's like going into a museum and you're looking at artifacts and going, you know, whoever carved this into stone wasn't that great a stonemason. 
you know, and it's like, yeah, because he was doing it with a rock, not with a chisel. Right. And a, so, <laughs> yeah. You know, so uh, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you have to, you have to kind of go in with an open mind about it, in my opinion. But I think Scanners holds up, you know. Yeah. Most of his stuff really does hold up, you know. I mean, some of that early stuff, it was actually funny. I, I, don't, I don't know if I mentioned this to you last time, but they had uh, on Criterion, they had put some old classic horror stuff on. Some of it I'd never heard of or seen. I mean, there was like an early uh, uh, Toby Hooper movie on there I'd never seen. It was great. But uh, they had Rabid on okay. there, uh, which, of course, is early Cronenberg. Marilyn Chambers, who was a famous yep. porn star who was in it. Well, you know, uh, I hadn't seen that in a long time, and I watched it again, and I was like, boy, this is just really it, – it, if somebody watched it, they'd go, this doesn't hold up at all. But, you know, it had a creep factor to it. It was still pretty creepy. And um, the same was true of uh, The Brood, which was another one that's super creepy. Yep. Um, and uh, right down the line, I mean, um, all of those he did in the 80s. Uh, you know, I remember I saw – uh, or no, it was an article I read. Uh, from Stephen King somewhere in the 80s. I think it was like in an anthology or something, but he was talking about um, Dino De Laurentiis, had called him, who was the same family that produced Dune, you know, Raphael right. De Laurentiis, right? <laughs> and, uh, but he was talking about, um, he wasn't sure who to get to direct the Dead Zone, the original Dead Zone. Right. And somehow they got to talking about Cronenberg, you know, as the perfect guy. And, and that's one of my favorite Stephen King on film films. That's I love that movie, the Christopher Walken. That is not the TV show. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, and um, so you know, I mean, I just really feel like you know, people kind of. I mean, you were you were saying, well, what's the pitch, or why should people do it? You know, why should you watch anything? <laughs> I mean, to escape, of course. You know, to have fun. So you can talk about it with fellow nerds like we're doing right now. There you go. You know, and, um, you know, that's really the bottom line. You know, may maybe you actually, you know, uh, learn something about your own life. You know, it's kind of a lofty thing to say, but, <laughs> you know, it does it does happen, you know, in, in film sometimes yeah. where you're like, you know, you kind of realize something about yourself. Like, you know, oh, I don't know if I'd do that in that situation, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so, but, but I, I think with horror in particular, because you do have those people that are like, no, I can't watch any horror movies. That seeps into my subconscious and it affects me so badly. I just can't stand it. And I, you know, to that, I say, you know, there, there's always too much of something, right? You know, you can have too much fruit, you know, <laughs> but, um, why do we watch stuff that is so intense and so disturbing? Why did the Greeks do it thousands of years ago? You know, they, they spent much more time than we do. You know, I mean, it was not uncommon to go to see Greek tragedy and they'd have two or three in a row. When you're talking about two to four hour performances, right? Ooh, yeah. You know, and then that would always be capped off by uh, what was known as a satyr play a satyr play, which were really raunchy comedies. So, you know, they'd, wa they'd watch these really deep, dark, depressing, you know, plays, you know, Oedipus Rex, Antigone, and you know, all these. And then right after that, they'd have 
just a really bawdy, nasty Seder play that everybody could laugh their ass off at. <laughs> and and wh- why is that? Like, why did that develop that way? And why do we still do it? Well, the reason as far as I, I'm concerned is that we all have the death impulse. We all have a tremendous fear of oblivion and dying and, you know, what comes after, if anything, and so on. We don't know how to deal with it. None of us get solid answers about it, though some of us think we do, okay? And on a, on a subconscious level, we're, you know, through art, we are experiencing these horrifying things. So our mind can grapple with that, you know, very, you know, dark side of being human. So um, not to get too heavy on your program, but I really feel that's what it is. And that is why you can always find somebody reading Dean Koontz or Stephen King or Clive Barker or Robert McCammon or watching Walking Dead or any of that stuff. And it's because that's what's at play, you know? And when people don't do that, when they don't have some method of catharsis to experience that, some good, solid method, uh, then what happens is they start to internalize it and it comes out sideways because that's the thing about the body. It will come out. You know, so, you know, you might say, well, I'm just not into that sort of thing. I, I would never watch something about blood and guts, you know. Well, that's fine, but your body says otherwise, you know. So, you know, it, it's important to have a balance, a balance between the dark and the sinister and the mysterious and the depraved and the things that we don't want to talk about that we wouldn't talk about at the family get together. And then the other side of that, which is the absurdity, the laughing our ass off the, you know, uncontrollable hysterics, you know, the absolute release of all of that pent-up energy. That's being healthy, and it's reflected in our art. It's reflected in film. So, you know, you ask about why should people go see it? Well, you know, to me, there is something extremely valuable in the experience of that. You know, I know for myself, that's why I read dark stuff as well as funny stuff. You know, I absolutely love the plays of Harold Pinter. Harold Penner is one of the weirdest playwrights you'll ever see. But if you watch some of the performances, it's so absurd. You're laughing your ass off, you know? And it's why we watch Seinfeld because we, you know, we've got to take the cork out of the bottle, you know, and let it out. And so, um, you know, I really, I feel like a lot of people don't understand that, you know? And, uh, and some people may be getting it other places besides art. Who am I to judge? You know, some people might go to church and through Catholic ritual, have that experience you know and uh some people might go and do it other ways you know whatever but but uh but that there is a very legitimate uh, thing to you know art and uh mythology and using you know the archetypes in such a way that we better understand ourselves and are able to deal with uh what is a very harsh reality you know I mean, it's, it's a beautiful reality too, but it's, but it's harsh, you know, I mean, um, and, and nobody wants to deal with it, right? If we do deal with it, it's, it's in a very uh, kind of uh, on the surface way. You know what I mean? We're not yep. scuba diving because it's too much. It's too much to deal with. But if you watch it on film or read it in a book, you can, you know, in a very, um, you know, sideways way or a way that's non-threatening, 
you know, um, you know, in a vicarious way, you can experience it. Right. And um, so anyway, scanners, I, you know, why should you watch it for all those reasons? Um, and, and understand, too, you know, if, if you are a film buff out there, or if, if you're into that sort of thing, you know, you want to look at scanners and go, oh, wow, there are a lot of films that probably would not have happened if this one didn't happen. And, um, you know, so, yeah, you know, you I mean, a lot of a lot of the, uh, you know, the head exploding thing, that was probably the first time that had been done in quite so graphic a way in film. I would think so. Yeah, but there there have been how many how many shows now have had heads? Oh yeah, all over the place, right? Right. Um, so you know, it's it's. Um, I, I hope I I hope I answer. That. But but yeah, I mean I mean I hope you're tracking me. It's like yeah, man. You, I think too. Some people are are afraid of the stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's it's too much. Yeah. Um and. Um, you know, and, and that, that is really understandable, too, in the last 30 years or so, because everything has gotten more hyper real. You know, it, it used to be that, like, if you read classic horror, I mean, real classic, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, um, you know, darker stuff, you know, Red Edron Poe, Lovecraft, and so on, that it had this element of you know, hey, we're telling you about this dark stuff, but you know, really, it's a story. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's a story. Yeah, that kind of feeling. But things have gotten more and more and more ultra real because viewers and readers have gotten more sophisticated over time, and so they kind of know, like, like in a Walking Dead, you know, whoever's doing the makeup, they're going, we can't make these like Night of the Living Dead looking zombies. Nobody will buy it. Right. right? You know. You know, right? You know, and that's what I mean. You know, it's changed culturally where it has to get, um, you know, even the tech, even the tech, you know, I mean, you, you look at a lot of stuff that's shot in like 4K now, you know, or has like if you have a television that can handle 4K and stuff has been filmed in it, you can watch it in 4K. You know, there have been a lot of actors that have been complaining about this because a lot of actors who have been aging. You know, it doesn't matter how much makeup you cake on them. You know, if you right. got a 4K, you're seeing every nook and cranny of their face. And they don't like that because that's like, you know, you're showing all my imperfections. <laughs> I mean, there have been actors that have been complaining about this, right? Wow. And, uh, but, but that's what I mean. You know, the tech has gotten more and more and more ultra real. You know, you can get into the ethics of it. You know, I don't know if that's such a good thing for our kids to see that. And it's like, well, good or not, it's, it's here. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry, but, you know, um, you know, keep your kids away from it if you want to, but they're going to get exposed to it sooner or later. You know, it's, it's a lot better to explain to them, you know, so I, I do not have kids. You do. So I'm not going to get into like telling people what they should tell their kids because <laughs> that's a ridiculous position for me. But, <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, people kind of need to be prepared for what they're going into. You know, men, did, did I tell you last time about Saw? Did I tell you about that? Oh, no. Okay. We got a Saw story. Dude, this, this is quick, man, but you're, you'll probably have a good laugh on this one. So, um, you know, I, I, I was divorced from my first wife and I was dating around and I started dating this girl and she was really into Stephen King. And so she was like, oh, well, I'd love to go see this movie Saw. And it was like the first Saw movie, right? You know, and 
I didn't know what it was. I hadn't heard anything about it. You know, I, I thought it was like some kind of home improvement thing, right? You know, or some, you know. So, so we're sitting in the theater, you know, it starts in with the, you know, the torture room and the killing and everything. And I'm like, what the hell? Who the hell am I dating here, man? You know, we're like on the, on the first date out, man. You know, and, uh, and, uh, but then I watched it and I was like, damn, that's actually a really good horror flick, man. Um, yep. and, and it was, it was weird too, because I was so used to, um, Carrie Elway's from Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was used to him from that. You know, I'm like, wow, I'm glad he finally got another gig, you know. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, you know, I was taken aback by that film, even though I was an adult when it came out, but it was because I didn't know what to expect from it. Right. And so my whole point was, is that, you know, it might be good to let people know, you know, hey, by the way, this is a horror movie. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> kind of That's brace fair. yourself for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, I don't know, man. What, you know, like, so you, when did you see Scanners for the first time? Uh, like I said, probably within the last, definitely after mid 2000 sometime. So it was in the last so, 10 so 15. What, what made what made you want to go watch it? Probably because I had heard about it on um, probably some horror documentary I was watching, uh, more than okay. likely, and they had mentioned it. And I had seen that head explosion before. Yeah. And I was like, well, I need to see you the movie that has that. Yeah, I need You to had to watch that. it after that. <laughs> yeah, I had to see the movie that had that head explosion. Because yeah. like, and that thing happens like within the first 10 minutes. <laughs> like, it's, right. it's quick. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of let you know here's what's coming here's, yeah here's, here's what we got planned for the evening <laughs> yeah but yeah. all right chip i think you did a good job so we're gonna go ahead and wrap this Thanks. one up why don't you okay. uh tell everyone where they can find you and you can list the website again and... yeah yeah uh, if people want to find me they can go to chipsebastian.com um it's s-e-b-a-s-t-i-a-n <laughs> on there you'll find my voice reel and my on-camera reel and I blog and I have films that I've done before and just a bunch of stuff. The short film I'm hoping, like I said, would, will be out before Christmas and that should be on the website as well. It'll end up being a, a pretty cool little film. Um, uh, we actually did the finishing shot uh, the other day and uh, it was a drone shot. So, so we actually have an opening on the film where, you know, the, you know, the shots coming into the cemetery, right. you know, so it's, yeah, it's I can't wait to see it, man. It's gonna be pretty cool. But um yeah, that's going on and um yeah, so yeah, please please check it out when when it's out, you know. Just stay on the lookout for it. So yeah, thank you for having me on again. I, I hope I hope it was a good show for you. I hope I hope I was thorough and um Oh yeah. Absolutely you know. always, always chip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. And uh yeah, it's it's actually good to uh, do a horror flick since you know I know that's your you know first love and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, absolutely, man. All right, and as always, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at YNF Movie Pod. We're available wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to come back next week because I'll have a new movie and a new guest, and who knows that may become your next favorite movie. You guys take care. I'll talk to you next time.